This is iFanboy Booksplode, Fantastic Four, Behold Galactus, Marvel Select. There's a man going around taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down when the man comes around. Hello, my name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And this is iFanboy Booksplode, Fantastic Four, Behold, Galactus, Marvel Select Edition. And what is the Booksplode? Well, that's our semi-monthly review show in which Josh and I would talk about a graphic novel, a trade paperback, and it was unlocked by the patrons over at patreon.com slash iFanboy. This month we're talking about Fantastic Four, Behold Galactus, which was a Marvel Select Edition. This was a last-minute change. We had another book lined up for this month, and then Josh said, hey, I really want to talk about this book. And uh, I was like, okay. But <laughs> I didn't because I didn't know what it was. I looked at the creative teams and the stories. I'm like, okay, that's be interesting. So we did it, and now we're going to talk about it. So there'll be spoilers. If you haven't read books from over 50 years ago, it's on you. I don't know what the Marvel Select line is. Do you know what the Marvel Select line is? No, but I have noticed that that's what a lot of their classic like non-contemporary stuff is and even stuff that's being rebranded i've grabbed a couple of them off of comiXology i assume it's some sort of like they're, they're high-end like this is our, our high-end stories that kind of thing. uh yeah maybe i don't know i think it's just whatever they, they keep coming up with trade dresses like i remember uh years ago when they first re-released like simonson's thor and miller's daredevil they would call those visionaries and now right. it feels like they've you know i've also got a marvel select edition of Iron Man Extremis here, which was one that we'd possibly talked about doing. I just feel like it's their current trade dress for their re-releases of back catalog stuff. I see. Well, whatever. It's a terrible title. Yeah. <laughs> you read it the whole way. I think reading Marvel Select Edition is like saying Columbia Pictures Proudly Presents. That's fine. I, I you, know, you know me. The longer and more convoluted the title, the better. I know. I know. Uh, so this is a collection of three different stories. The first arc is Fantastic Four 48 to 50, the classic Lee and Kirby introduction of Galactus and Silver Surfer. Uh, the next story in the middle is Fantastic Four 120 to 123, which is Stan Lee and John Buscema. And then the third and final is Fantastic Four 242 to 244, written and drawn by John Byrne. And so we're going to go through these. The first one the first is obviously the, the, the first appearance of Galactus and Silver Surfer. I think the second story is his third appearance in the book. I think I, I looked it up. I can't, it's, it's a hundred. I mean, it's, it's quite a few issues later, but probably. It's, he's been around for a while. At that point. Yeah, he shows up a bunch of times between the second and third one. Yeah, in other books and things. Yeah. So let's talk about the first one. It's Lee and Kirby, this is their fav- one of their most famous stories. Fantastic Four, 48, 50. And I want to start with the cover to 48, which is one of the best covers I've ever seen. Oh, sure. Yeah. It says the coming of Galactus in the cover. Don't know who he is because, again, it's his first appearance. And it's got the Watcher. And it's got the Fantastic Four. They're all on the roof of a building with a bunch of civilians looking up into the sky, terrified. And and you're in the you're not in the point of view of the people, and you're not in the point of view of Galactus. You are sort of lower to the ground, looking up at them, looking up, and it creates this incredibly dynamic sense of terror. It's like you've come around the corner and found this. Like you, what the heck? It's I, I was mesmerized by this cover, and I, yeah. is, I've read this arc before, but probably twenty years ago. Uh-huh. I don't remember much. I, didn't, I hadn't remember much of it. I don't remember looking at this cover very much before because I don't usually look at covers, but I was enthralled by this cover. I thought this was a terrific cover. As long as you don't focus on the Watcher's slippers, I think that you're right. <laughs> well, there's a lot of clothing issues in this arc <laughs> that we'll probably talk about. 
Oh, it's it's delightful. I'll tell you right now, my main theme through here is going to be that, you know, like it wasn't always the right time for me to read these, but it is now the right time for me to read these. Well, sometimes you have to come around and be deep in the the, the medium enough, knowledgeable enough, mm-hmm. old enough. Things have to find you at the right time in your life. I just think that coming at it now and everything that we've we've been doing and all the I I suddenly not suddenly. I've been working it. It's been very gradual, actually, over time. But I, I felt like I had the perspective to just 100 percent, as I read through this whole thing, just say, oh, I get it. I get what people talk about when they talk about these old, these older comics. And I've read Stan Lee and Jack Kirby stuff before, for sure. But this was really the first time that, like, not only can I recognize it's good on a technical level, but I was genuinely entertained on mm-hmm. multiple facets. Yes. And it really was... I don't want to say a revelation, but it, it was. I, like, it was in a way. It, it was completely delightful. And if you were listening to this, I would not be surprised that you're to hear more in this vein over the next year. What's interesting, first of all, anyone who's read these era, this era of comics and Stanley books knows they're very dense. And so you really, these three issues felt like six and probably would have been yeah. a 12 issue story if it came out now. But what was really fascinating was obviously, again, they don't know what they've got on their hands with Galactus. So he's he's clearly the focus of this three-issue arc, but also it starts right wrapping up the previous arc with Black Bolt and the Inhumans. Yeah. So you get you they, lose half the issue to that. And then the final issue of the arc ends with Johnny Storm going to college and and Wyatt Wingfoot and he's like beating Galactus isn't even like the climax of the issue. <laughs> Like, <laughs> the way it was structured was, like, they beat him kind of early on in the third issue, and then the rest of it was Johnny Storm going to college and all that stuff. So it was very interesting to see how they didn't necessarily know what they had on their hands here. He was just another I, another creature that they that they defeated. Yeah, you know? but I also think that, like, it was – it's just a different structure back yeah. then. Like, the serialized format, they, you know, they really were going month to month. Yep. And – when they finish their story, you know, then you start the next story up and we'll we'll continue that next time. There is I mean, we're so used to like the idea of things being collected or being adapted or whatever, and this is just pure comics. Yes. There's nothing else. They did comics for comics for comics. And I, and there's a difference. Like you can tell. We talked about this on the show recently, I, I too, I think. I'm trying to remember under what context. But you know, that was the thing I got out of. There was no other sort of influence on how the story, you know, was constructed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fantastic. Fantastic. And you get so that means you get a whole lot in these three issues. You get yeah, you do a really compelling Black Bolt and human story. And I don't, you know, I don't remember the context of how this started, but you don't you get enough information to be invested in what's happening, especially with Black Bolt's stupid crown that he's wearing. Yeah, they got rid of that hat, <laughs> and so that gets wrapped up. The scrolls are there. We meet Silver Surfer, and the scrolls are terrified because of Galactus is coming, and they do a really good job of building this this threat up as it's coming we see the silver surfer getting closer and closer to the earth and you know we don't know we don't know how or what's happening and then when he does come you're like holy shit there are a couple of fun things here one is that reed goes into his lab to investigate you know all the cosmic disturbances and grows a five o'clock shadow within like an hour (laughs) Like they want, they wanted to show he was haggard and been working a long time, and so suddenly he had like a he had like a half a beard, but he only he hadn't been in the room that long. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff like that, and also uh, there's a great 
a mixed media page in here. I forgot that Curb used to do all the time. Oh yeah, there's like a collage of Galactus's, Galactus's ship. ship. Yep. And then when he comes out of the ship, he's he's red and green. He's very Christmas with a big G. <laughs> it's a good thing that the English language translates <laughs> universally. I had that thought. But it's funny because his costume changes, I think, three times through the course of these three issues. Yeah, which, is, I mean, which again is like you know they were these were these were made for kids, so they didn't really give a yeah. fuck. But I'm glad the they did change it because the red and green just, didn't work. Yeah, they, it was the next issue it changed. Yeah, like they got him like let's not do that. <laughs> but you know, like the basic elements are still there. That helmet is that helmet. Yeah, been that way the whole time. Oh, the, the actual design is pretty much the same. Uh, you know, yeah, the, the big G in his chest. The but. size. I find that the size fluctuates. There was oh. one part where literally fluctuates but i don't know that i've ever had a real sense of how big galactus was except in this i did you know he looks like he's like three times as height as a, as tall as a man he's triathlon yeah basically he's no, basically it's mostly all triathlon yeah in that first issue it looks like reed is reed's head is, a, is like at his mid thigh yeah so that's yeah and then he does get bigger and smaller and then the next issue if this be doomsday Another great opening splash page that that mirrors the first cover, where they're all looking up in terror, and the angle is low, and um, and then Galactus is now he's purple, but <laughs> he still has now he's got but now he's wearing shorts and a short sleeve t shirt. It's summer Galactus. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Jersey Shore Beach Galactus. And the, the Watcher is the same size as Galactus. Everyone's height is all over the map. It's like the old Transformers cartoons. Right. So suddenly they're meeting face to face. The thing is, it's it's a cliche to call Kirby dynamic, but it really is. It's just oh. big and crazy, and Mr. Fantastic stops in the middle of the fight to shave. And I couldn't help but keep thinking about sort of what the process was. And I, it changes from issue to issue, but it is my understanding that by this point, basically, Jack drew it. And as he drew it, he plotted it and then gave it to Stan. Mm-hmm. And Stan went through and dialogued it. So... And that changes. There were bits where Stan did the plot and then Jack would draw. But it was loose. It wasn't like page by page or whatever. So, you know, that really breaks the mold of, you know, script and pencils. And it's it's and and I it is impossible for me to read this without keeping that in mind. Oh, for sure. Uh Even even if they did the traditional Marvel method, which for people who don't know was the writer hands the artist a plot, the artist draws the plot, and then the writer goes back and then dialogues it. Even if you look at it that way, I was still thinking about that in my head as well. How did, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating way to work. I don't know that I'd want to work that way, but it's fascinating. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing that kept coming back to me is that I love Stan Lee. I, I recognize his place. I, I love Jack Kirby perhaps more. But over time, you know, like you start telling yourself a story one way or another in your head. And as I kept reading this, especially since two of the stories are written by Stan or Mm -hmm. dialogue, whatever, however these were, is how really good it was. His dialogue was amazing. His character work was so good. I had so much fun reading Ben Grimm in these. (laughs) He was it was the it was it was the best Ben Grimm I've ever read. Yeah. And I, I in a way that like I don't know that I either had noticed or hadn't been able to appreciate in the past. And I've had people say, you know, oh, he was my, I remember Jason Aaron told us forever ago that that was his favorite character. So the one he really wants to write has not yet, by the way. Mm. And, and yet I saw it all in here. Like basically this was reading. This was the thing where, oh, this is really the, the genesis of all of that great stuff. But the, the really the personalities and the, and the deep 
psychological goings on in the minds of these characters, except for except for poor Sue Storm, who <laughs> really did need a little bit of fattening up in the personality yeah. department. But every time she probably tried to, Reed just told her to be quiet, dear. But the thing is, you get you get the yeah. love triangle here. You understand why she'd go to Namor besides yeah. the sexy little shorts. It's that Reed doesn't have time for, her. and it's and again, it's all cliche now because it's fifty years on. But at the time, this would have been revelatory for people reading comics. In that, again, every issue is somebody's first, and these were written yeah. a different ways. So every issue, you reinforced the idea that Ben was an outcast, um, rock creature that everyone's afraid of when he went outside, and mm-hmm. Reed did no time for his wife, and and she just wanted to spend time with her husband, and Johnny was young and kind of a hothead. But you know, it, it's not, it's not groundbreaking but at the time it was and and they did a really good job of making it of reminding you every issue without it seeming like it was repetitive you're absolutely right and it, it didn't i you know every time they went through one of those sort of demonstrations of what the thing had to go through you know so you had like and he's multifaceted because it was always on the one sad side, too it was always sad yes but also at the same time like he didn't do himself all the favors either no he was really impetuous He's incredibly self-righteous, you know, and you get this is like, oh, it's not just what he looks like. It's how he is also. But he doesn't recognize that. Mm-hmm. And and so maybe he's acting up because of it. Like That's real good stuff. And if you think you take it even further and say, you know, I, he don't even know. I, he probably didn't give Jack. He didn't direct him to draw it and plot it in that way. So that stuff all kind of got put in. Not necessarily as an afterthought, but it was wedged in between the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I focus on Ben Grimm because he really is, it's the most obvious. Right. But they all had very consistent characters, I thought. Yeah. And and they were varied. And, and I was really like, wow, nobody's done this very well since then. John Byrne did. You know, but either way, you know, I haven't read a fantastic – actually, the Dan Slott stuff's pretty good in that respect. You can tell that he – you know, the current sort of run, like you can tell like he knew this stuff oh, really yeah, well yeah, yeah. and is is definitely tapping into it. But it's just enjoyable as hell. And then every once in a while you would just get to a page or a panel or, you know, when when Jack gets to draw some crazy machinery. Mm. You know, you mentioned the this collage one, but there's a bit where Johnny gets like sent through space and time and he has a mind bending experience and he comes across this like um, weird figure eight sort of ship. Mm-hmm. It's crazy surrealist drawing, you know, that looks like infinity basically with a bunch of hoses and stuff sticking out of her when Galactus starts to build his machine on top of one of the buildings, which I love as a thing that he's always like, let me construct my building. Leave me alone. Like he just <laughs> he goes to work. That's why Reed could take the time to shave. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, it's a- and then in the third issue, Galactus has now added pants. So he's mm-hmm. so now it's fall Galactus. <laughs> he still has his short sleeves, though, so it's not really winter yet. I, I, I just found that funny how every issue you open it up, he was wearing different clothes. You know, so the third issue is a race against time. Johnny's going to go, he's got to go get the ultimate nullifier from wherever, wherever that ship was. And one thing that surprised me, and I, I looked it up, but I couldn't find the answer, and I'm sure someone listening has the answer. But in the Fantastic Four lore, the ultimate nullifier is the, is the trump card. It's the thing that Reed has in his back pocket that keeps. You know the piece, but here they have to give it to him and he, for him to leave. And so my, my question is, how did it how did it come back? I mean, there's all sorts of ways: time travel. I don't, or, I'm saying I just don't know the answer. Yeah, I don't, no. I hope so, hopefully, someone I'm sure there, there knows, is one, yeah. knows and can tell us the story because I was really surprised at that development. I was like, okay, well, I'm leaving, but you got to give me that that gun. 
as a parable, you know that this is you know it, it, the context is this is deep in the the Cold War, you know mm-hmm. the yep. nuclear arms race. So the, the ultimate nullifier is a is a thinly veiled metaphor. But in this version of the story, they give it to the enemy. Yeah. Which is also sort of telling, and there really is a thing with Galactus where he's alien and he's super powerful, but he's—I I think it's near the end. I don't remember what point, but Reed just goes, "We never thought you were evil." Yeah, you know, we, and I—I I really loved that. And there's a bit later on we'll get to in the, in the John Byrne yeah. with a similar vein where it's yeah, it's the um, the inherent humanity of the Fantastic Four, who just yeah. are, who are scientists. They're not soldiers. They're not. You know, well, Ben is, but they're not like Ben. Yeah, and and he, and he follows that dictum a lot, and 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 usually to his detriment, right? Which I liked. I mean, I'm just I keep scrolling through this first three arcs, and there's so many great, you know, the whole, anyone who grew up in our era with the How to Draw Comics on Marvel way, that which was a great book to have, even if you didn't want to be an artist, it was just to learn yeah. how to look at art, yeah, and how that's why and how and why decisions were made, and it just there's so many low angles, which was something that Bashima preached in that book there were so many um canted angles there's just one shot of them looking out the window of of alicia and silver surfer looking out the window and uh it's just it's it's angled it could just yeah. be a straight on shot but it's angled which makes it more inherently with more tension and the page right before that alicia is she is like pounding on silver surfer's chest and she's so overwrought and it's just great because it's yeah everything is it's, everything is heightened and it's 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 unabashed melodrama which works better in comics than almost anywhere. Right. You know, that's part of the aesthetic. I just love the idea that in that issue where after Galactus shows up, Johnny's all pissed off because Reed is shaving and Ben's taking a bath. What's with you guys? Galactus is planning to tear our planet apart and you're, you're making like a TV shaving commercial. Relax, Johnny. I'm just trying to cook a plan up. No harm in tidying up while we're thinking, lad. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I love stiff it. upper lip, American it's, style. It's, it's great. And... You know, this is one of the most famous Marvel stories ever for a reason. It's it's mm-hmm. it's terrific. It's full of it's just if you think about what happens in these three issues between was it the introduction to the Inhumans right before this was their first appearance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I have their first issue upstairs, and I always I think it's I think the issue I have is forty eight, but that wouldn't be right because they would have shown up in the ones before it. I have to go check, but um. But you've got basically a three issue span. I do have uh, this issue. I have forty nine. Yeah, whatever. I'll find it. You have the Inhumans, all, yeah, the and first. all those characters. It's not just one or two. It's like it's like seven or eight yeah. of them. And then you have, and they also had it like Johnny had already had a thing with Crystal. Like it, yeah. it they established. It's amazing to me how much of this stuff that we're still talking about today was established by this point. Yep, Galactus four, and Silver four years Surfer, in. and then Wyatt Wingfoot, who becomes a big deal later on. So it's like Watcher. You have you have like maybe twenty big time Marvel characters in these three mm-hmm. issues who are basically just being introduced or had just been introduced and it's it's an amazingly fertile time for guys who are in their 40s <laughs> i was gonna say you know one of the things that's fascinating about this too is you know it's from 1965 i mean if, if fantastic four started in 62 this is four years in more or less mm-hmm. 65 you know it is is an amazing time capsule it's 66, so, March and May 66, yeah. yeah. And so looking sort of what the world not only looked like, but how they interpreted that world. Right. Um, and as it go, not just the not just the first, all three arcs though also, is super New York. Mm. Like it was so like all the people 
who did, weren't in New York, uh, I was like, nobody's going to understand this, especially then when there wasn't really a mass media to the same extent. But as a you know, as people who who know New York, it is a real time capsule and glimpse into what that was like then. By the time you get to the third story with John Byrne, it's a recognizable New York, <laughs> very much so. Like there's stuff in there. That's like, oh, he lived in the city. Yeah, not like I think he lived in Connecticut, but yeah, yeah. I'm sure he was there all the time for Marvel, but yeah, right, yeah. So do you want to jump to the second, the Bushima story? Yeah, I think we're good. Oh, oh, I do want to mention real quick. I'd never heard of this before, and I don't know why it isn't brought up, but the original Punisher is my favorite character in that first arc. It's this little squat dude in a Ram Man suit. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That's the guy named the Punisher. Yeah. Yeah. The Galactus Galactus throws him down to take care of them, and then he's got the he's got the Fantastic Four beat, by the way, and Galactus just recalls him. And he's ridiculous and funny, and he and he windmills his arms around really fast. <laughs> and he's uh, I also love the you know, the very end when Johnny, you know, is almost like Animal House, shows up in a sports car in a suit. And where's the dean's office, fella? Look at how many of the college students have pipes. They all have pipes, and they all wear suits. Oh, it's so good. That's my favorite panel. That panel is the wallpaper on my phone. <laughs> it's it's great. And then the guy in one of those big fur hats calls him Sporting Life. <laughs> Straight ahead, sport in life. You can't miss it. This is that beautiful Triumph Treat TR6. Aren't they, like, broke? And he's in this, like, incredible sports car. People don't always make good decisions when they're young. The Fantastic Four also, this was the period of time where they were constantly having money issues, even though they, mm-hmm. they should have been okay. That was over by Burns' time, too, apparently. Yeah. So we jump ahead 10 years, 1972, Fantastic Four, 120. Uh, from the darkest reaches of nowhere, he comes. The Airwalker. And uh, this one takes a little bit longer to introduce Galactus, which was, I thought, great because you didn't know it was a Galactus yeah. story you were getting into. It was a great reveal here. But for me, as we said, this is still Stan Lee. But Bashema is someone, again, from How to Draw Comics, the Marvel way, that is very, to me, very classic. If you, you can trace, trace a straight line from Kirby to Bashema to Burn, which is probably why they, this is constructed this way, but art style wise, this is, he's a logical next step after Kirby. Bushema, sure. He's not as crazy as, as Kirby, but he has the dynamism and he's a bit more polished. Yeah. So he's to me, he's the, he's the logical of, of evolution from Kirby. Ramit is probably would be a contemporary of Bushema. Yeah. You know, but Ditko would be sort of a, a peer of Kirby. So they're both sort of that next. Yeah, next that wave, next yeah. bit. Yeah. Ten years later. So this one takes a while as this new Airwalker dude shows up and he is he's a herald. But we don't know that until it's too late. Silver Surfer shows up, and of the three, this is my least favorite, but that's not saying I didn't like it, but this was still really fun to read. What I liked about this and the whole collection was seeing how Sue's powers were still... Yeah. We, we tend to think that they have amped up her powers in the modern day and given her all kinds of interesting things to do, but he or she was like making dudes' limbs disappear. and Yeah. Like, she was finding really interesting things to do with her powers, even back in the 60s and 70s. She had the force field in the first Star Trek. Yeah, a really powerful think, one. Yeah. Which I did not know. No, you're, you're totally right. And you're, I mean, if the only thing about this, this is probably the most time I've spent with John B. art, you know, in a long time. And, and he was the, you know, that, how did our Marvel, comics the Marvel way? It was huge. And so to just watch it all in practice would have been enough for me to love it. Yeah. But also, since it's still Stan writing it, you know, this is still consistent, and it's a lot of issues later. It's, you know, yeah, many years later, and it, what a sort of great, you know, consistency to have for this stuff. And 
Every time the Fantastic Four pull a vehicle out, it is the best. <laughs> Every time. They have great cars and flying ships. We haven't mentioned even Johnny. Who, this is the classic mini lines on the body Fantastic Four yep. drawing, which is always the way I think he should be portrayed, uh, despite the modern technology that allows him to be drawn the way he's drawn now. <laughs> There's just something very visceral about the way that they used to draw the Human Torch. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess the one other thing, speaking of lines, is, you know, it's it's one thing for us to talk about Buscema and Kirby, but Joe Sinnott really is, is the glue for all this stuff. I love, I love his lines. I love the way that he draws texture around stuff, those little lines, like around the calf muscle, mm -hmm. or the, fi I, I just marvel at those. Haha. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I always have. I've always, like, that's the part that, always impresses me when you look at like a character's hair and how they how they do that and then just nobody has surpassed that in right. that time we, we've got much more dynamic artists and all sorts of things happening but god there's something about the way that that he would just ink that you can see the brushwork you know but it creates those shapes and it's so it's so great to look at and so at the end of the second issue they destroy this guy and they realize they find out he's a he's a very intricate robot and they're like well who the hell made this robot and they used, they had the help of the silver surfer who at this point had showed up in the story and and then of the the second to last page is you need to wonder no more and and what's cool about it is galactus is foreshadowed in the color of the background which i didn't even notice till now which is purple and oh yeah and then you turn the page and now he's gigantic he's like he's like twice as big as a building i'm gonna tell you something too Place yourself back whenever this came out. Yeah. There was no previews. Yep. There was no internet. They did not leak it on the cover. You thought you were looking at a story about Gabriel the Archangel. Right. And then they hit you with that on the last page. Brian Vaughn never did that on the best day of his life. <laughs> you would have lost your mind. You would have lost your shit. Yeah. You would have been some stone kid in 1968. <laughs> Whoa. Fuck! <laughs> and your dad's saying like you know you're wasting your time with those comic books you're like you don't understand man <laughs> and it would have been true probably would have been the pick of the week too oh totally and so uh in the final issue now in we get back to, to summer galactus who's back in the shorts and the short sleeves so i to it's be fair working out it looks like he's put some bulk on to be fair it's hot in new york in the summer so if it is indeed sure. august the galactus does want to be wearing shorts and it's in a long I mean, short sleeve shirt if that helmet is not negotiable, then you're going to have to shed heat somewhere else. <laughs> right. Uh, it kind of probably smells so bad in there. <laughs> this one, they have a big fight around an amusement park, and they hit each other with Ferris wheels. And it's just, it's it's as big as and crazy as you would imagine. You know, they do a lot more with Mr. Fantastic's stretchiness as the sto stories go on. Mm -hmm. They go into space. Uh, this is actually, is this a three-issue or four-issue one? It's three. They're each three, I think. Okay. Then you got then you've got Nixon in, in the final chapter, which is yeah he's showing up, which is great. He shows up a lot actually. He's, he's yes. on their little video call and and not necessarily like 1972 it, Nixon. So that's he's getting towards the end. You're trying to tell like how if there's a message there of any kind. Like he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's not necessarily a good guy either. Oh, no, this is a forest York. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he, Galactus, just, Galactus is at the end of issue two. He's the cliffhanger two. Three is the big fight with the. Uh, at the amusement park in the four is when they wrap it up. If you look at Nixon, let's say uh, I'm on uh, page 143 of your digital reader. There's a bit where he's he's saying the fate of the world is at stake. All our armed might is useless. Mm -hmm. Everything depends on one man, Reed Richards. I have no tr choice but to trust him. And yet with the election coming up, <laughs> there's a little tricky dick going on there. Yeah. 
Also, no. wearing a green suit with uh, big lapel or uh, peaked lapels, which makes sense. But man, it, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a not lime green, but it's uh, Kelly green. Yeah, I mean that's a choice. It's maybe a choice that the real one didn't make, <laughs> but. But I, I mean, that, that's another one of those things that, you know, oh, comics didn't used to be political. That was one political-ass panel. Yes. By the guy who came up with Marvel Comics. Also, if you think about it, it wasn't true, but it's sort of part of the narrative, and we've been guilty of it as anybody. This is clearly comics weren't always just one-and-done stories. You know, this was a four-issue arc. The one before was a three-issue arc. Now, the, the one before was differently structured. As I said, it, it included three different storylines through three issues, but this was a four-issue arc. Yeah. It's no different than what you're reading now. Yeah, the two, that's true. But I tend to always think of those comics as more of like an ongoing soap opera kind of thing. Sure. So you There know, was the nothing one... more of a sense that it was all ongoing then as opposed to now, but yeah. this was a Forrest York. It was, it was a lot going on, and you could have had this as a little trade if, you, if they really wanted to. Also, the, there were only about 20 pages per story. Yeah. So at some point it went from 20 up to 23 and back down to 20. Mm-hmm. So we've returned. There's a there's a there's like a lesson on every page. There's there's something to, like there's something to appreciate on every page. Mm-hmm. He was actually Bisama was really working on a, a almost pretty much a modified six panel grid through the whole thing. A lot of so each page. Yeah, no, yeah, and you can also see, it's it's fun to see as you go through it how both uh, Bisama and Byrne take after you know the stuff that was left mm-hmm. uh, by Kirby. I always wonder about the coloring because these issues we're reading have been modern colored. Agatha Harkness in uh, in the second in the second story. I don't think I ever knew where she came from. I knew her as like a a, a figure that exists, you know, in Marvel, but I didn't realize that she was their their babysitter who was a witch. <laughs> this is it's funny that like it's it, it again at the time as a time capsule. It's it's totally fine. Ship your kid off to around the world to live with the witch because you got shit to do. That's fine. Yeah. And let's jump 10 more years to 242, 1982, I believe. And John Byrne is now uh, writing and drawing the comic. And, you know, for my money, no one more is more important to my comic book life than John Byrne. When I was a kid, he was, he, he was the biggest name in comics. He was doing all the major mm-hmm. books. You know, he did uh, Superman. He did X-Men. He did the first DC crossover after... Crisis on Infinite Earth. He, you know, he did, he did, he did all. If it was a major book, he, or he, t- he turned and he turned She Hulk into a star. Like he did it. It was popular. Alpha Flight, West Coast Avengers, mm-hmm. and Fantastic Four, which was a celebrated run that he did. And you know, writer writer artists, which is not all that common then or now. At that point, though, you had Byrne, you had Simonson, you had it'd be a little bit. I guess Couple. those are the two things. Yeah, and I really loved this one. Yeah. I love that Burnt drew the thing kind of like the original thing, where he he's he's not the hard lined thing. He's kind of looks like yeah, molded lumpy. clay, yep. um, which I didn't realize he did that. Uh, I, don't I don't think I ever think, read Burns Fantastic Four run. I may not. Have I don't it. think he did that forever. Probably not. Like if you that was still before our time, so it would have been hard to sort of read all of it. But the trial of Reed Richards and everything. I mean, I was reading comics at this point, but not regularly and also not uh, not like that not like this you know there's a bit actually it's almost out of nowhere but um page 201 it's the first page of the last issue i think 244 and it's uh what's her name frankie ray's roommate Mm -hmm. doing like stretches yep and you know it's 
it's vaguely lascivious, but not really. But I was really taken by how good that drawing is. Yeah. Really, like, really great figure work and sort of different, you know, just from out of nowhere, you can see, like, it's so stupid for me to say John Byrne is a great artist. But, man, he had the dynamism of the earlier guys and then a really, really strong sense of anatomy. Completely modern. Uh, yeah. Well, it, not completely. That's what I, I – you know, at the time, I was saying the early 90s or late 80s when I was starting to read this stuff, he seemed like the most modern, amazing artist ever. But now in retrospect, I look at it and I see it's a foot in both worlds kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know, he could get away with this now, but it is a little – it might even have to do with the style. But also when he changed his style later, it didn't look good. And I, think I just think he got older. I just think he, I just, I don't know really he changed that. I just don't think he can draw like this anymore. Well, I, sometimes I think that that's a choice and sometimes I think that that's a, a natural effect and it's probably the, the truth is somewhere in between. You know, like if you look at, you know, Darwin Cook's work between, you know, if New Frontier, he's, it's actually pretty detailed and pretty worked over. By the end, he'd, he'd gotten much more economical. That wasn't because he lost a step. Right. Same thing with Frank Miller, I think. Frank just you just like I feel like as artists no, Frank get on. Is, Frank has changed his style consciously for sure. Yeah, right. But yeah, but you end up you sort of go well. What's important to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And therefore you you cut away the stuff that you don't consider to be. But just any art form, it's writing, it's music, it's what it's it happens. But I mean, either way, like it is it is undeniably amazing comic book artwork. I love you know? that. I was we got to return to that '80s Marvel sensibility where the captions were talking at you. And to you, mm-hmm. it wasn't like a. There obviously wasn't first person narration like every comic is now, and it wasn't. It wasn't even like omniscient. It was like you were part of the story. You know, it was a brilliant the, way of bringing you into the story. You, the comic is talking to you. Mm-hmm. Look right here. It's, it's just it's pointing you towards this thing in the panel. It's not. It's not. A, an, there's no separation between you and the story. I just love that the sense of it. It's a good way of putting it. This is also pretty like a crossover. I mean, the, the Avengers are in it. Daredevil's yeah. in it. Spider-Man's in it. This is like an one all-star the, cast. One of the covers says, or maybe it's the back page, like, next issue, like, everyone versus Galactus That's or something like that. That's the cover for 243, yeah. Everyone versus and, Galactus, you say more. And Cap is going to hit him in the foot with his help with his shield. <laughs> Come on, Cap. At least hit his knee. I mean, this is, to me, this is how these characters look in my brain, you know? Like, yes. this is the cl- this is the best Iron Man costume. This is, uh, as much as I love the way Thor looks now, this is how I wish Thor looked now, with the big sure. yellow boots and the and this light blue circles on his chest. And other than Sue's unfortunate sort of middle-aged woman haircut, it was sort of like everyone looked the best here. Mm-hmm. In terms of me, my childhood, this is what comics looked like. I found that Reed was a little more middle-aged than I expected. Oh, for sure. He aged, they're all aged. Reed's got like a big forehead and his bomber jacket. <laughs> oh plus awesome doctor strange with the billowy shirt yep. and the glove like yep this is superheroes not costumes that are meant to evoke movies and, and real life clothing this was like superhero comics you know what's interesting is that there's a bit in this where uh spider-man comes across daredevil mm-hmm. he's like should we go over there daredevil's like nah i wouldn't we're small time super folk okay we'll just sit here <laughs> and I was like, that would never, ever happen today. They've ramped up Spider-Man to the level that, like, they have to make him get involved with everything. But even back then, because he was a big star, yep. it was still, they were keeping everybody, like, no, no, he's not that level. He's this guy. And that, because well, that like had to do yeah, he's the, uh... I, I gotta, I gotta say, I, I, you know, all of that narration, all of that sort of, 
pomp, you know, all that, that I didn't find it quaint. Mm-hmm. I just enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't a struggle. I have tried to read, I've tried to read some older comics and, and, you know, they are kind of a struggle to get through, but you know, these are just all, all of these are really good examples of stuff being really well done and, and not plotting like it moves. It's, mm-hmm. you know, the words feels like there's a lot of words, there are but a lot it's, of words. it's cool. It's I'm fine with it. it. It's it's a language. It's a language that we deemed wasn't cool anymore. And there are times when I was reading and I thought maybe people are right. Maybe comics should be more like this again <laughs> in a way that I don't think I've ever thought like that. At the very least, comics should be more informed by this now. We've gotten very far away from it. And I don't think they should be like this because, A, it wouldn't be genuine. It would be parody or, or imitation. But – I get the feeling like maybe not everything, but some things would be great if there was more memory. Well, why do you think we respond so much when a guy like Donny Cates shows up? Because I think he is the closest to getting nearest this kind of feeling. Yeah. I mean, you can't, there's just been too much water on the bridge and Watchmen hadn't happened yet and Dark Knight hadn't happened yet. But yeah. uh there's this bombast that is missing from a lot of comics that mm-hmm. when it does show up, we're like, oh, that's fun because yeah, and it's I, in the DNA, I, even if we don't realize it or not. Well, what's funny about it is if you think about a guy like Morrison mm-hmm. and Morrison comes along and you say, oh, wow, he's completely changing the game. He's different than everything. And that's true. But, boy, there is a lot of this in Morrison. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that was really apparent in the sort of post-1986 world when everybody was trying to be dark and sparse and, you know, come up with their own sort of take on the Alan Moore, Frank Miller view of things. And then, you know, you have a guy like Morrison or, or, or Mark Miller who you know, he has this adulation of Morrison to a certain extent, mm-hmm. you know, that, that does bring back some of that original stuff, you know, in a way that's modern and new. But what's that element that I like about it? Donny Cates is probably another example. Well, it's this stuff, you yeah. know. And then, then the guy like Dan Slott, maybe too much of this stuff for, for me to get into with modern comics. I don't know. It's a fine line, for sure. Hmm. I mean, what works works. But it really, I, I don't want to call this timeless, but I will call it uh, effective. The, these Fantastic Four comics, all of them. I think I'd call read. them timeless, but that's, I mean... I, I mean, me, it's not entirely true when all the college students have pipes and hats and suits. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what happens in college campuses now. I assume there's a walk around pipes. But it is – it's just the thing like would it be universally enjoyable by everybody? I don't know. Maybe, like maybe not. do you have to have – you know, if you're, you're, you're you and I – you and I, we can't even have an objective view of comics right? in that sense. You know, we've just put too much – you know, music snobs, comics. Yes, exactly. So – you know, if I were to give this to my kids, would it have an effect on them or would it be too antiquated or obtuse or, you know, who knows what? Plus, we've been around reading for 30 years, so it's hard to. Oh, yeah. We, we, and then we have we've experienced this in some way. But I, before we I want to just talk about a couple more things in this last run on sure. page 207 digitally. Uh, they're building the giant machine to help heal Galactus. That's a crazy Kirby-esque machine. I, I found myself looking at that going, how long did this, did this panel take him? I mean, that is <laughs> insane. And you talk about the humanity of the Fantastic Four in the first arc. In this one, we find out Galactus is, is dying. And so they go from fighting to helping. And, and Iron Man's like, hey, what are we doing? Why are we helping this dude? He's just going to kill more people. And Reed and Cap are like, he's a living being. And we, you know, And so there's a whole discussion about that. It almost 
it almost went down the Civil War lines. You know, one on page, uh, it's right here, page 205, there's a panel with Iron Man on one side, Cap on the other, and Reed in the middle, and it was almost the um, Civil War breakdown. Where, where yeah. Iron Man saying, why do we let this guy live? And Cap says, he's a sentient being. He does not act out of evil intent. He does what he must simply to survive, just as we would. So that's an interesting aspect of this bit. I like that. At that so Thor starts to power that bad boy up, yeah. and Galactus hungers. So he starts pulling more out, and so Thor's like, he's taking this faster than I want him to. And the solution is Captain America breaks the machine with a shield. Because <laughs> they didn't put <laughs> put a switch on it. There's no reg- regulator. One of my other favorite bits about this is that they they're like, "Hey, Tony Stark, can you?" This all happens so quickly, by the yeah. way. It happens in three pages. It's a three panels, not even a full page. Can you go get some stuff? And he's like, "Sure." And he goes to this is like a beleaguered clerk. <laughs> yeah. And and I love my favorite part of that is that. All right, I guess Mr. Stark signed it. And Tony Stark in the armor is so pleased with himself. Naturally, I had no difficulty gaining permissions from my boss since I am Tony Stark. He says it to himself. Right. He's impressed with himself. And I love that. And I like that we're just still doing that because you had to constantly reinforce it. But there's still personality in that. Yeah, and you had to remind people that that's A, that's Tony Stark. And B, that people don't know that he's Tony Stark. So if you're not reading Avengers, that kind of thing. So it's... He's still he's still quote you know he's Iron he's Iron he's Tony Stark's bodyguard Iron Man so people are still unaware mm-hmm. so that was just a good I I love this and then Johnny's girlfriend who I didn't really know um, who she's she was she's familiar but I hadn't I was like wait who is that she ends up volunteering because she has powers similar to Johnny she ends up volunteering to be Galactus's new herald because that's one of the things he needed was a herald to keep him away from Earth because uh, they they beat Terax his current herald in the beginning they, and they I guess they kill him <laughs> I guess. And then uh, at the I'm end, back to the human. Then he, I don't know, he fell. We don't really know what happened to it. He's I, I, not dead. I think I've forgotten that how much of Spider-Man was in Fantastic Four with all the money trouble and everything. Because here, the as it's continued on from the first arc, and their landlord's all pissed off because because Terax had cut off like <laughs> the top of the this building. This landlord has been complaining for twenty years. <laughs> and so Reed just buys the building from him. So now they own the Baxter building. And and then and so there's a lot. And then at the end, great cliff. Two cliffhangers. One Doctor Doom related. So he's clearly coming next. And then two, they call them prologues, but shouldn't they be epilogues? Yes. Where Franklin is a little kid and he's he's at home. Ben's going to babysit him because Reed's well, going out with with finally going out with his wife, and uh, Ben can't figure out the Rubik's cube, so he gives it to Franklin, figures it out immediately, and then the little monitor robot that Reed created to monitor Franklin's power fluctuations gets overloaded and blows up because. How much did you want to read that next issue? Oh my god, <laughs> so much! Wait, you know what? You you buried the lead here. What? Can we talk about Ben's Western shirt <laughs> ensemble? Ben he is very comfortable. He does. He's got shoes. He's got that's a that's a full on Western shirt. He's got a pair of jeans that just fit him right. A pair of Wranglers or something. He's tucked in. They've got a pretty nice AV setup. They got a TV all oh, on the floor. They've got a it looks like a VCR and a nice turntable. A lot of a lot of. VHS tapes and records. So yes, so it's a prologue because it it uh, prefaces story. the stories that are yeah, coming. Yeah. Yeah, that works. John Byrne's too smart for that. The way that this it weaves in your next story, like you don't get that now. The story ends, and it's designed to end in a book. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you were living in a day and age. Remember, I remember people on The Walking Dead when Negan killed, you know, killed someone. We didn't know who it was. It was a cliffhanger for the season finale. People were pissed off because they don't want. Mm-hmm cliffhangers anymore they want resolution yeah. this would never fly now to this extent the way they 
they finish a story, the B story becomes the A story, the C story becomes the B story, then there's a new C story introduced. That's the that's the flow of these. It was it was really well done. I like you said, when you, I was like, wow, can I can I get another one? Is there another? Can I read the next one? <laughs> I also I I did want to mention I really like the story arc for Frankie. Yes. Yeah. Sort of in the beginning, she's a little lost. She's hanging out with Johnny. Right. You know, and then she sees Sue go through this trial, and she's just like. Do I, I think I need more, you know, and then she makes the decision to go with Galactus and nobody yep. wants her to do it. No, she comes and, out and saves the day. And that's something, yeah. um, as you and said, Galactus goes, no, no, she means it. I've read her mind and that's important. And, it, and, and I like that. The thing you mentioned earlier with, you know, in this era and the era previous women didn't always get the best treatment in the books in terms of personality and story, but she ends up saving the day and she was great. I, I didn't know much about her, yep. but I, I liked her in the book. And I know that she shows up because I've seen her, you know, she becomes the Herald of Galactus, and I think she still was when I started reading comics, and that's yeah. probably, you know, well, so she'd show up every once in a while. He had several. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm really glad you, you picked this, because this is not something normally I would have read, and um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I was, I, was, I was delighted reading the first, the whole thing, but like the first couple of issues, I, I was having so much fun reading it, and I was, I was laughing, and, you know... It was it was it was thrilling and it was fun and it was funny and you know if you've been listening to this show for a long time and you you know you don't have to like everything that we like or whatever but you like the vibe that we approach comics with I think that you will really enjoy this. What is her superhero name? I'm I don't know. It was the, a, li- a list of heralds of Galactus and it was Tyrant, Fallen One, Fallen One. That was in two th- that was later. Silver Surfer, obviously. Airwalker from the book we just talked about. Fire Lord, but that was a dude with a fire stick. Destroyer, Terax, who was in this book. Rom, Nova, Morg, the Executioner. Red Shift, Human Torch, Stardust. Stardust is a dude. Praetor, Anti-Man, Dazzler, and Doctor Strange. So I don't know who she is. Doctor Strange? That was recent. Probably. Nova. Nova? Nova. Oh, it is Nova. I, I just assumed that was Nova Nova. Nope. No, her name Different was Nova. Nova. All right, there you go. So that was Fantastic Four Behold Galactus Marvel Select Edition. We really liked it. I, I had tons of fun reading it. Yep, me too. If you want to check it out, it's available in Comixology, also at comic stores. If you've never read these Galactus stories and you are at all curious about this era, or if you read comics in this era and missed I mean, it's a great read. If you listen to this whole discussion and found it interesting, I can't recommend it anymore, honestly. No, me neither. I think, I think you need to. So I think we know what the rating is going to be. Ratings... Five. 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 Five stars. If there was a second volume of this, I'd read it. I mean, it's, or I'd just read more of the John Byrne stuff or any of it, really. But I really liked going back to this era. And it was a nice way to clear out the year, you know, to end the year with uh, some fun old 60s and to 80s Marvel comics, which was nice. Yeah, the, the spread was really fun. So this was Booksplode. It's our every other month show. We'll be back in January with a new Booksplode. Uh, the companion show is the Talksplode, Josh's interview show. And you can find all that at ifanboy.com with our other podcasts, our weekly Pick of the Week show, and all of our other shows are available there. Thanks again to the patrons who unlocked this show over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And until next year, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. In measured hundredweight and penny pound. of the four beasts 
and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him.